Welcome to Obedient Sheep. Hey, this is Dan Dakota again, and we're going to kind of pick up from where we left off in our study last time. We were looking at the book of Haggai. Now, if you remember, or maybe it's been some time, maybe you didn't hear the first part there, but kind of giving a little background to what was happening in chapter one here. We find historically that it is prophesied, uh, we can look at the book of Jeremiah for an example there, and he talks about how there was going to be 70 years of exile, and sure enough, this does happen. God gets a little upset with Judah for not doing what he has asked them to do, even after they had Israel as their example, showing that God was not going to put up with idol worship and all this type stuff. And so sure enough, the time comes when Babylon comes in, they drag the people of Judah off into exile. This exile lasts for the 70 years. And during the 70 years, we have Babylon being overtaken by the Persians. Now, when the Persians come into power, we have people like Daniel who say, hey, King Cyrus, you might be this guy who lets us go back to our own hometowns and all this type stuff. And sure enough, this does happen. Now, when we pick up in the book of Haggai, though, we find that King Darius is now the king. And he's still uh, one of the Persian kings there, but he is now the guy in control. And we find that, as we looked at last time, he allows the people to go in three waves. And so Haggai starts with the first wave, wave where we have um, Zerubbabel, who is now the governor, uh, him and high priest Joshua, they are going into uh, back to uh back to Jerusalem with the Jewish people there taking that first wave and their mission is to rebuild the temple, right? Because we got to put God first. And that's kind of what we talked about in our first session was priorities. Are we putting God first? Now, if you remember, we saw in Haggai chapter one, verse four, a great illustration of why God is having Haggai speak to the people. And it says here, it says, why are you living in luxurious homes while my house, this is God talking about the temple, while my house lies in ruins. See, the people were supposed to go back and rebuild God's temple and again, make that the priority, but instead they were worried about their own lavish life, their homes and all that. And they expected to have great crops and they got nothing. They expected to have all these benefits, but they got nothing or very little because they did not put God first. In fact, if we look at the, some of the verses again that come in chapter one, we see that God is saying, hey, look, you were hoping to have some work, but you were hoping to get a harvest for your work, but you got no harvest. You are eating, but you're not filled. You're drinking, but you're still thirsty. You have clothes, but you're still cold. And your money disappears like you got holes in your pocket. Why is all this happening? Because you did not put me first. You did not build my temple first. And so Haggai is coming and saying, look, put God first. Build the temple. That's where it all starts. And so we end chapter one with the, the, the beginning of the building of the temple. And this is confirmed again if you look at Ezra chapter five, verses one and two. We see that now the people, they kind of got a clue, so to say. They realize, oh, man, we need to do the work of God. We need to build this temple. All right. So, that again, that ends uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 15. We end on, we have a date, September 21 and the second year of King Darius. When we open up in chapter 2, it's not too much after this. In fact, they, they, we have another date, October 17 of the same year. So not even a month, a full month has gone by. And now there comes a second message from Haggai. And this one coming to Zerubbabel and to the high priest and to the remnant. And I'm going to pick up in chapter 2, starting in verse 2 through verse 9. 
It says, Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shetil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, or Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you still left in this land. And now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when, when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. I'm going to stop there for a minute. So what we are finding here is, remember, it's only been 70 years that, the, that they had been in exile. So there's a very strong possibility that some of these younger people, who are now the older generation, may have remembered what Solomon's temple looked like before the exile. And so Haggai is saying to them, hey, don't you remember the splendor of what Solomon built? And he's looking at the temple that they've been working on, and he, I don't know, maybe he's a little like, what, what is this? <laughs> When you look at what used to be in comparison with what is now, what is this? You know, maybe we can kind of relate this to something in our own life. You, you know, I, I remember uh, growing up in Southern California, we used to go to Disneyland quite a bit, right? And so I remember my, my early childhood days and, oh man, Disneyland was, was just this world of splendor and, you know, the, it was the happiest place on earth. But then as I got older, I remember even the first time I took my kids, I was so excited to go and then I thought, Wait a minute. It looks smaller than I remember. It looks different than I remember. Now, obviously, I had been the one that grew up, but, but there was this change. It wasn't the same, right? The, the people didn't bother me when I was a kid, you know, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to stand in line this long to ride this ride. What's going on? So maybe, maybe like me, you've kind of had those experiences before. Well, this is what God is saying. Comparing what used to be to what is now, you, you call this a temple? So let's go on in verse 6 here. It says, For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, In just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than, then it's past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. So God is saying, look, you, you got to do better than this. This, I'm, gonna, I'm about to bring the world to your doorstep here. And this is the best you have to offer? Kind of makes me wonder sometimes, too, in regards to me and what I bring to God. Do I bring God the best? There's a verse in Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, do it with all your heart is working unto God. Do I work as though I'm working unto God or do I just give my boss enough? Right? And, and maybe God is challenging me and saying, hey, look, wait a minute. Hold on. This? You're saying this is the best you got? Hmm. Just something to think about there. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, because the, the next piece is kind of important here as well, because this is where I, I want us to really land. The, the message that I want to get across, or the, the title of this one here, is called Covenant Faithfulness. And I want us to look at this next piece, because God is going to challenge the people. Now, again, in chapter 1, there was the challenge of, are you putting me first? 
right? But now, now we're going to kind of move to the other piece here where we're going to see, are you, are you, well, let's just read it. Let's just get into it. I'm going to start in verse 10 here, chapter two, verse 10. So on December 18, so this is again, two months after uh, what we just read, we were in October 17. So now we are on December 18. So two months and a day here on December 18, of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord sent his, sorry, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Ask the priest this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? The priest replied, No. Then Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? The priest answered, yes. This makes quite a bit of sense, right? I mean, if we, if, if I was to have touched a dead animal and then touched um, the sacred food, would it be okay? No, it's not going to be okay. I've contaminated the holiness of what that food was by touching the, uh, the, the deadness of whatever I touched, that, that dead corpse or animal or whatever it was, right? And this is something that goes all the way back to the book of Leviticus, where we're talking about what is holy and what's not, what what we should do and what we should not do, and all this type of stuff. So let's go on here, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 14 now. Then Haggai responded, that is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. When you hoped for a 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Even so, you refused to return to me, says the Lord. Think about this 18th day of December, the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. Notice he says, think, and then he says it again in the same verse. Think about this day, and then think carefully. I am giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain, and your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I will bless you. Now, we read that last sentence, and we say, well, God, God says he's going to bless them. Hold on a second. Because everything that we just read is built on if-then statement. In fact, most of what you read as far as God blessing people in the Bible is based on an if-then statement. It goes all the way back to, well, probably beyond this, but I can think right offhand, Deuteronomy 28, where we see that God says, if you do this, I will give you these blessings. He gives us 14 or so verses of blessings. But the rest of that chapter, if you don't do this, then I will do this. And we have a good chunk, 30-some-odd verses of cursing. Right? So think about this. God is saying, and I underlined it in my Bible here, everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Do you want to see God's blessing? There is an if-then statement that is related to this. If we want to see God's blessing, then we must turn away from sin. Whatever we are building, whatever we are expecting, there's an if-then to it. You know, the Bible talks in Malachi, a very famous portion, maybe pastors use it, you've heard it before about the giving of the tithe, right? Oh, we're not robbing you, God. How are we robbing you? You're robbing me by tithes and by, by tithes and offerings, is what God says. This is in Malachi chapter 3. 
right? And, and we see the same thing. God says, if you will just give me the tithes and the offerings, then I will open up the blessings. I'll open up the storehouse. Do we want those blessings? Of course we do. We'd be a fool not to want God's blessings. But is there a price to it? Yes. It's the obedience. It's the getting rid of the sin. It's In this case, it was the tithing. If we want the blessings, then we must tithe. Right, but but here in, in Haggai, God is saying, Look, if you want the blessings, then obey me. Get rid of the sin. That sin is going to be the barrier that stops me from being able to bless you fully. Now, I'm not getting on a seed faith message, I'm not getting on a financial message. I'm talking about any kind of blessing in your life. You want a job? What is God telling you to do? You want health? What is God telling you to do? Right? I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I got a couple pounds I love to shed, but I have to do the work. If I want to lose the weight, then I must go to the gym. Right? If I keep eating McDonald's or any other fast food, Taco Bell is my guilty pleasure. I'm going to be honest with you. If I continue to eat those and not take care of my body, am I going to lose the weight? No. It's an if then statement. And so is this. God is saying, I want to bless you, and I'm going to bless you, but this has got to be the end. You've got to stop the disobedience. You've got to stop the sin. And if you do that, then I will bless you. Hmm. Let's look at the end. We're going to wrap this up really quick here. So starting uh, in verse 20 on chapter 2. On the same day, same day here, December 18, the Lord sent the second message to Haggai. Tell Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I am about to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow royal thrones and destroy the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overturn their chariots and riders. The horses will fall and their riders will kill each other. But when this happens says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will honor you, Zerubbabel, son of Shittiel, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, says the Lord, for I have chosen you. I, the Lord of Heaven's armies, have spoken. You know, there, there, there is a piece here in the end that we're seeing with Zerubbabel where God is basically confirming, this is my guy, right? The shaking's coming. This is going to be God's establishing of the kingdom. And we kind of can even see how so Zerubbabel was in the line of David, and we can see how he's giving a, a prophecy. God is giving a prophecy through Haggai of the Messiah, saying, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing a shaking here, and I am choosing you, Zerubbabel, to carry on this lineage for the Messiah that is coming. I've put you in the right position. I've put you here at the right time. I have, I've, I've put it in your line that I'm going to bring the Messiah. So it's actually kind of cool for Zerubbabel there, right? So that ends the reading of Haggai chapter 2, but I want us to go back to something really quick before we end. Deuteronomy chapter 28, we talked about the blessings and the cursings, but in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I believe it's in verse nine, uh, 19, God, uh, if I remember correctly here, it talks about how God has the people choose. And he says, look, I have set before you life and death. And then he gives them the answer, hey guys, choose life. God gave the answer to the, to the test, choose life. And part of that covenant faithfulness that, that I want us to understand is that we have to choose life. We have to choose to do the things that God is going to be happy with, that are going to, going to bless him, that are going to show our obedience to him. And in that, what happened when the Israelites chose life? They had the peace. They had the blessings. They had the land. They didn't have to worry about a thing. It's when they stopped following after God. When they started going after those idols, they started chasing after the other the things that the other countries had. Oh, Egypt had all these idols. Man, we should have just hung out back in Egypt there and all this, you know. When they started going back to the old ways of life or the sinful ways of life, that is when they lost 
the blessing. That's when they started choosing death instead of life. Friends, I am challenging you to choose life. There's a verse in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 22, it says that to obey is better than sacrifice. And the whole story here, we don't have time to get into it, but we find that Saul uh, was not doing what God asked him to do. But if you think about that verse here, what Samuel was saying to Saul was if you had just obeyed, then you wouldn't have to worry about bringing a sacrifice for your sin. Right? We kind of have this mindset sometimes that, oh, I'm just going to do it. It's better to ask for forgiveness instead of ask for permission. Is it really? I mean, I'm just going to challenge you on that. Maybe, maybe in a situation where someone is dying and, oh, hey, is it okay if I, if I give you CPR? You know, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you CPR first. You know, I'm not going to worry about if I have your permission. I'm going to try and save your life. But, but in, in other cases here, is it okay for me to go ahead and sin knowing that I can ask God for forgiveness? No. Uh, isn't that kind of what we see in Romans chapter 6? I think it's in 6, 14 or 15, where it says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? And then Paul says, by no means. No, that's not how this works. I would rather see us. I'm going I'm to close with this. I would rather see us walk in obedience. And I'm talking to myself as well. So don't think that I'm you know, pointing all my fingers at you. Uh -uh, I, got, I got fingers pointing back at me. Because actually, just this week, I had the same conversation with my wife. I realized, hey, I don't think that I, God is blessing this because I didn't do it right. Or I, didn't, I actually didn't do it at all. So I'm learning this the same time that I'm teaching you this in this case here. If we want God's blessing, if we want to be part of this covenant faithful people, friends, it starts with obedience. Only in obedience are we going to find God's blessing. And I don't know how many times we can restate the same thing. It's an if-then statement. If we walk in obedience to God's word, then we will have the blessings. And again, I'm not talking money. There are so many things. My health is a blessing. My friendships are a blessing. The fact that my car starts in the morning is a blessing. Do I need some money? Sure, I do. But there are so many other things. The health of my kids is a blessing. There are so many other blessings. I want all the blessings that God has for me. But that means that I have to walk in obedience. Hey, this is Pastor Daniel. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Obedient Sheep podcast. If you'd like to get more information on this ministry or even get in contact with me, please go to obedientsheep.net. There you'll be able to leave your information, drop a line, send a prayer request, or even check out the other resources that are available. Thank you again for checking out this ministry, and we hope you have a blessed day.